You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston and Chris Trent. Episode number 58. Have you ever noticed how your voice changes when you do that, by the way? It's like we're talking and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, who am I talking to? Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now, your hosts, Jody Livingston and Chris Trent. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this podcast today a part of your day. We're back. Episode 58. Here we are. I love episode 58. 58 is a going to be a great episode. Good number. We've been we, we've done eight episodes together. Really nine, I guess, if you count the way back at 36. But uh, yeah, man, fun, fun. So what's been going on? So, so uh, Jody and I, uh, I'm Chris, and that's Jody. And we are a couple of youth pastors. Living in the Atlanta area, we're not too far from each other. We work at different churches, though, and he and I both have just been hanging out with teenagers for a pretty good while now, and we love doing youth ministry, but we also have a passion to help other youth pastors experience longevity in youth ministry, not just in their current church, but also as a career if someone wants to do that uh, long term. So uh, so that's what we're about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you can find us here, obviously, on the podcast or on the Twitter sphere at Jody Livingston, at Chris Trent, or over on the Facebook at The Longer Hall. And uh, especially want to welcome new listeners. So, you know, first time checking out the show, welcome. We're glad you're here. But uh, if you're coming on back, well, we really appreciate you still listening. It means a lot. Uh, lots of good stuff today in this episode. Um, so... All of the links and resources mentioned, you'll need to head over to the show notes page at thelongerhall.com slash episode 058 to check out. And uh, make sure if you enjoy the podcast, you subscribe to that through iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you can get it each and every week as it comes out. And, uh, you know, share it with people if you find it helpful. I've got some shout outs, Jody. Can we do shout outs? Yeah, good. Yeah, and then we got to talk about these shout outs in a minute. What? Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I know. Go ahead. I know where you're headed with it. Yeah. Okay, so I got a shout out today. I want to I want to give a shout out to all of my youth pastor friends that are listening to this podcast on a Wednesday when they know good and well that they need to be writing their lesson for tonight instead. Shout out to you for procrastinating that message and listening to us instead. But I would like to go ahead and encourage you to hit pause and get back on your lesson because we're not going to give you anything that's worth teaching on tonight. So we'll still be, here. we'll still we'll be here tomorrow in the, in the podcast sphere. Is that a thing? Uh, and uh, yeah, so no doubt. Uh, speaking of shout outs, I do have another shout out. <laughs> I got a shout out to my main man, to one of my bros. A friend of mine, but he listens faithfully to this podcast, and there's a story that goes along with it. What up, Lee Decker? So, (laughs) Jody, um, I texted you this last night, and uh, this is is a true story. I get this text from Lee, 
And he's <laughs> he's saying that uh, you're not going to believe what, what what just happened. And I'm like, whoa, what's up? And he's like, so I totally just honked my horn while I was listening to the podcast. And I got pulled because of your shout out. Because of my shout out from last. Because in the last episode, you asked people to honk the horn. I said, "Hey, shout out all the people who drive in and listening." And he said, "He said that he 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 honked his horn and he got pulled over." And I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, Lee, no, you did not." Like I just thought he was messing with me at first. And he just was listening, you know. But he was like, "No, no picture, no proof." Like for real, like for real, he got pulled over. And uh, now it ended up being a deal that he got pulled over for something else besides, uh, like he had a tail light out or but something. But it didn't help. But it, it happened. No joke. It happened at the moment he happened to honk <laughs> his horn, and <laughs> and he had to show the cop or the police officer uh, that uh, he had to actually play them part of that uh, at where it said, "Hey, shout out." He- <laughs> Yeah. For the, so, so um, yeah. To which he was reminded that that is for safety. Purposes. Yes, he was reminded yeah. that. Yeah, that uh, the horns really for safety purposes, not for. Yeah, we heard from a few people about the horn honking. That was the only one that got pulled over. Scott, shout out to Scott. Yes. Scott emailed Scott, and said, "Hey, that's great. I uh, I also honked the horn. Um, so hopefully Scott didn't get pulled, pulled over too. So yeah, we gotta." I had to think about that. Yeah, I appreciate Scott listening to that. What's up, Scott? Thanks for your encouraging emails, man. We appreciate you big time. Thanks for listening. Stay the course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, so last night we did waffles and wiffle ball, which was actually pretty awesome. So we uh, played wiffle ball first. I like waffles. Yeah, because waffles are the perfect breakfast food. I like 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 wiffle ball. I like wiffle ball. And combining those two things together sounds great to me. How was it? Was it good? Did you have a? I'll ask. A, I'll, that was I'll ask great. A we, we played kind of wiffle ball. Did you have a good turnout. <laughs> yes, sure, sure we did. Uh, we we played wiffle ball first, so nobody was puking up waffles. But you know, waffles are amazing. Pancakes, if pancakes are okay, but when you pour syrup on a pancake, it uh, it kind of just goes everywhere, all over the plate, underneath. Everything, but a waffle it's got grooves, man. Beautiful. It's got grooves. Yeah, it hold like little containers for the syrup that that are evenly distributed across the waffle. So every bite has the same amount of syrup. I, but here's the problem. Here's the problem with the waffle, though. It's harder than heck to put butter on. So like it, but because yeah. of those grooves, the same grooves that help that. with the syrup hinder yep. the butter. And that's an expert waffle guy, man. I'm talking about like, you know, for you know when you go to the hotel and they got like the waffle maker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll give you a pro tip. You want a pro tip? That's yep. nothing to do with waffle. Put the butter in the waffle maker. No, no, no. You take the butter, you set it on your plate, and then as soon as your waffle is done, you set the waffle on top of that butter, like that little butter container. And then by the time you get yeah. to like your, you know, your table or whatever, it's like melted the butter, bro. It's so good. So good. then you don't have to spread it. So back, back, to, back to waffles and wiffle ball. How'd you like, what kind of wiffle ball did you play? Did you play it outside or what? No, we played it inside. We have a big, like a gym area. Oh, so cool. we played in that. It was raining. So that helped worked out better. Plus we didn't, then we didn't have to go chase wiffle balls all over the mm-hmm. place. So it worked out good. It's fun. We did, uh, you know, so pretty much straight up like baseball rules, except we had a tee. So if they wanted to hit off the tee, they could do that, but they could only get to second. Like they couldn't advance any further than second. Oh, so there was like a the there was like a limitation in place. So, so if you said, "Hey, yeah," otherwise they everybody be hitting off the tee. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. 
So that works. Yeah, it worked out well. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. Fun time had by all. And we ate and we ate waffles. We had we had our we had our so first good. big uh, Dallas. We we go to Dallas every summer with our seventh and eighth grade students, and we had our big parent our big kickoff last night, uh, and it was our our parent meeting uh, where we go over all the details. And what's always wild for me is like half of that room has not been, you know, so. I have to do a lot of a lot of introduction stuff, but had good good folks came out and had some good questions, but uh, still doing parent meetings, man. And I don't know about you, like the whole the whole parent meeting thing has changed because you have to spend so much time now focusing on things like cell phone issues and food al- yep. food allergy issues, and these are all real things. I'm not saying they're bad, but um, that's changed. That's something that uh, is a total new thing. So yeah. Real life, man. It sounds like uh, you should have played uh, wiffle ball with those guys. It'd been more fun. <laughs> I think you probably had more fun last. I mean, I had a good time. I mean, I like my people, but you know, I mean, it was uh, yeah, no doubt about it. So, good times. It's good. Good times. Well, fun, man. Well, uh, hey, you know what we have that is incredible sponsor. that makes us sound so legitimate. We have a sponsor because we are we we have a sponsor. But here's the great thing about this sponsor is you and I both use this sponsor. Um, I currently, I think, probably use have used uh, this sponsor more than you have because you're you're kind of yep. new to the sponsor. But um, that said, listen, if you are hanging out with us and you have a need for youth ministry T-shirts, can you hear the dog barking in the back? That's amazing. My, yeah, he sounds. Your dog sounds. I'm vicious. totally recording from home today, and and this is authentic, real stuff. Right in the middle. Uh, listen to all this chaos in my house. Whoa. What is going on around yeah. here? It's like a now <laughs> wiffle ball is broken out in your house. The dog is chasing the mailman. Like, where <laughs> do you live, on, man? man? What is happening? Well, we're not. You're not allowed to edit any of this out. This has got to stay in. No, 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 no. Okay, so go see Find the Nations and Fifty Two Threads. They're amazing. Bub is the Bub is the man. And uh, all the graphics and design is free. Yes. They've raised a ton of money for a ton of people. Quality shirts. Yes. I use them. Uh, Jody, Great I really do. I mean, we use them for everything we do. And and they do t- like just great t-shirt designs. They're, they'll they'll work stuff out for you, you know, as far as coming up with ideas. Um, the, qu- the shirts have got lots of different op- options as far as your type of shirts you use. So uh, 52threads.com, fundanations.com. They'll get you set up, man. I get, I got my hats, my man treat hats. Uh, matter of fact, Scott, one of the guys we gave a shout out to a minute ago, he asked for a picture of. I totally sent him a picture of my man treat hat. Um, it was incredible, and uh, he he like had it stitched. Pretty cool, it's good, man. I'm telling you, that's pretty. Cool. So, uh, it, it, listen, love these folks. I'm glad they're helping us out with some of the uh, some of the cost of putting on the podcast, but uh, we really do believe in 52 Threads and Feather Nation. So, help those guys out, and uh, if you need a T-shirt, consider them. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a great interview today. We're not worried. Like, we're not worried. We've had some. We've, we've always had. We've, I'm I mean, telling you this one. We always have awesome. I so I I just kind of sat and listened. I learned, man. You know, one point today, in the podcast, I'm like, uh, Jody, you're just kind of like sitting back. You and all this in. Are you like hanging out or what? Like what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's, you know, so we always have interviews on the show. And uh, but today, today's a field trip, kids. Today's a field trip. Today we're taking you to school. That's how we're. 
That was a bad one. We're we're not we're not taking. I mean, we, we our guest is. Well, we're taking them. Yeah, we're just a bus driver. We're a bus driver on this one. So we're the bus driver. So Dr. Richard uh, so. Ross is our interview today, and he the man, he, the myth, the legend. Man, he he. Uh, first of all, he's been doing youth ministry since like the late '60s, early '70s. I mean, which is un, that's incredible. First of all, right there in itself. But uh, he's currently uh, a professor at Southwestern Seminary uh, out in Fort Worth, Texas. Been doing that for a number of years now, I guess since the early 90s. Or actually, around 2000, I think he says. But uh, just phenomenal. So just a wealth of knowledge, but has a heartbeat for youth pastors and longevity. And uh, so good. Did you love? I love it. I mean, it's such a good interview. Oh yeah, that's why I sit quiet for much of it because yeah. I'm just listening and learning and yeah, it came out of. I, you know, I heard him. Um, actually, I didn't. I wasn't live, and I just I got access to the to the recording, and he did a recording called um, "The Maturing Youth Pastor" at a recent conference I was at. And when I got back, I had access to all of them, and I listened to it. And I was like, man, we have to get him on if he'll come on. So uh, just top notch stuff. He knows his stuff about parents. Uh, he happens to be co-founder of True Love Weights way back in the day, if you've heard of that. And uh, we don't really talk about that any in the podcast. But, man, really, really good stuff. So we hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And are uh, you ready to jump in? You got anything else, Jay? No, that's it. Get ready to write. Well, you're going to want to listen to this a couple of times because you want to take good. some notes. It's good. But make sure you head to the show notes page, and we'll do some of that for you. But not a, not a lot. Yeah, man. Fun times. All, so, right. all right. Here we go. And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Well, Dr. Ross, thank you for joining uh, Jody and I today on the Longer Haul Podcast, man. We really, really appreciate you giving up some time this afternoon to hang out with us. And uh, just want to welcome all of our listeners into this. And Dr. Ross, I was wondering if we could start off by you uh, just sort of introducing yourself. I know a lot of our listeners are going to know who you are, uh, but there may be some that are that are new to youth ministry or have not been in it very long that it might be great for them just to kind of hear a little bit about, uh, about your background in youth ministry and your, uh, your longevity uh, in youth ministry as well. I would love to tell the story because uh, Jesus is at the center of it, so that makes it kind of inspiring to tell. Uh, I became a student pastor when I was 19 years of age. Uh, I knew, even in high school, that God was calling me to do Christian work for my vocation. had no idea why or what that would look like. Uh, I had grown up in smaller churches. Really, I had never seen a youth pastor. Well, I saw one youth pastor, our little church, one time. was able to call and pay a guy a little bit, but he died in the church office. There is nothing that puts a damper on a youth ministry. <laughs> oh a youth Wait, ministry. In, was, in the actual church, like yeah. actually in the, wow. I mean, it was <laughs> the pizza after the youth minister died. It was a really, really uh, sad thing. And it, it was, was a lock-in, so wasn't it? <laughs> it could have been. Uh, it was so traumatic that the church never called another one. So so I, I didn't grow up knowing what that would look like. I had a, a campus minister in college chase me around and say, hey, I think you could minister with teenagers. And really, under his leadership, I accepted a call to serve for a summer. Uh, Maybe the first week, I don't know, 
But pretty quickly, I began to figure out this could be the rest of my life. Uh, okay, I, so in, let's put it in context. I'm going to interrupt you. And I know this is dating you, but I think in context here, it's important to recognize that we're talking to someone who can really speak into our lives about longevity and youth ministry. Do you have a year that you could tie that to? I would tie that to 1973. Ooh, what that yeah. means is we're about uh, a year and a half away from a 50th anniversary in youth ministry. Oh, man, wow. that's amazing. <laughs> we yes. may be having some bluebell ice cream on that particular day. That's going to be kind of a special time. <laughs> that's a good plan. So, you know, through college, uh, I served uh, uh, two or three churches. You know, in those days, you kind of served briefly. Uh, but as soon as I graduated college, I was called to a church uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, also was going to be going to seminary, which a lot of people would look at as a temporary kind of thing. But I ended up staying as youth pastor of that church uh, for 12 years. And I thought, you know, I might retire here. Actually, that thought crossed my mind a number of times. But God made it very clear that I was to go to Nashville, Tennessee. I, I did serve our denomination. And that's kind of what I did Monday through Friday. But on my own time, I became a student minister again. And uh, that particular student ministry lasted 16 years. And once again, I really thought I'm going to retire in this position in youth ministry. In fact, I felt that so strongly that we built a, a new home. We built a home literally to retire in, in Middle Tennessee. I, literally, we were measuring doors for wheelchairs and all of that sort of thing. But in the year 2000, God clearly came, got me by the scruff of the neck and said, no, you're going to actually pour into the next generation of youth pastors. And so in 2000, I did come to Fort Worth to teach at Southwestern Seminary. But by God's grace and under the leadership of a youth ministry in my church who I love, uh, I get to pour into the volunteers who disciple our teenagers. I disciple those adults every Wednesday night, and then they disciple the teenagers. So I'm still up to my ears in youth ministry, both teaching youth pastors Monday through Friday, but, but in my church, hopefully uh, making an impact in those young lives through the adults that are discipling them. And then on the weekends, every weekend of the school year, I fly somewhere, uh, and typically I'm, I spend all day Sunday preaching and teaching to all kinds of groups, mostly focused on parents of youth, families with teenagers. But uh, increasingly, I'm being called on to speak to the teenagers. In fact, just this past weekend, I was the, the main stage worship speaker for a citywide Disciple Now weekend, and that's coming up pretty often. So I'm, on, I'm only saying that to say it really has been an unbroken 50 years with an exclusive focus on teenagers and the adults that are important to teenagers. And two of those churches in 12 years and 16 years, I hope really reflected a, a long-term commitment to stay in a church and make a difference. A couple of years back, uh, Dr. Ross, I was at Conclave, which is a conference here that happens in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And you were one of the main stage speakers uh, at that conference. And I think this has been two years ago. Um, and one of the things I was so inspired by was, was you led, we were standing in the main stage, you know, there are a thousand youth, you know, youth pastors in the room and you led with basically sort of your, um, desire that if God would allow it, you would continue to do youth ministry for the rest of your life. That's exactly right. 
that is still my desire. I think I'll be lying in hospice still trying to figure out some new ways that we could impact a young generation. It, it's fascinating to me. I think the young people themselves are absolutely beautiful people. I, I pay extra for a license plate here in Texas just so it'll say T-A-B-P. Uh, it's a phrase that runs through my mind continually. Teenagers are beautiful people, and I think they are. I told the young people at Disciple Now last weekend, I think it's very likely that you guys could be the next revival generation. I have that much confidence in them. Do you think that, um, don't want to get too far ahead, but do you think that's part of the secret of longevity in youth ministry as far as being willing to buy into that idea that teenagers are beautiful people and, and worth pouring into, and they're not just crazy. They're not just a paint, but, but they're, they're beautiful people that are, are worth the effort. Yes. I think that's very much related to long term. Uh, I think, or just to take a seminary way of saying this, I, I think here at the seminary, I can teach somebody the skills to do youth ministry in terms of the skills. What I don't think I'm able to do is to create an innate, deep inside love for teenagers. Uh, obviously, most of the adults in our culture uh, carefully plan ways not to be around teenagers. They make jokes about them all the time. <laughs> sure. Everybody on TV makes jokes about them. Even preachers make jokes about them. Most adults really mm. consider them to be... That frustrates me, by the way, so bad. <laughs> most of the adults really consider them to be unpleasant people. And it's a very, very small subset of, of adults that would say, tolerate them. I love them. I enjoy being around them. You know, my wife and I and son, we used to go a camping some and, you know, just walking through a campground. My wife used to laugh because sometimes I would hear teenage voices, you know, laughing at a campsite or something, probably some church group out. And, and just hearing those voices, my little feet would start turning in the direction of where that <laughs> came from. And she would say, no, come back. This is a family weekend. But I, I'm just attracted to them. I just am. And I do think that is part of how you stay it, either with a big piece of your life or, or perhaps even your entire life focused in their direction. Do you feel like as, as, uh, as, uh, as youth pastors get older, so I'm 47 now, you know, my kids are, uh, my son's a junior in high school. My daughter is an eighth grader and, um, I still love it. And I'm still drawn to it, but there are some minor changes. I'm not as crazy about bunk beds as I used to be. Do you think that's a terrible thing, or do you, <laughs> can I get a little grace on that part as far as being no, calm? In fact, I think that is entirely predictable, and I don't think there's anybody or anything negative about that at all. I experienced exactly the same thing. In fact, uh, in the Nashville church, uh, our youth group started off about 10 or 12, something like that. And eventually we were running about 150, 160. Okay, somewhere in the transition there, I began to figure out, hey, I'm downtown Monday through Friday, plus I travel 110 days of the year for the denomination. You know, this group is growing and I don't want to be an impediment. We probably ought to get some help. So I did lead the church first to call a junior high associate uh, intern and then to call a high school associate. Uh, but I knew for a fact that, that for our ministry to be a full bodied ministry, 
I needed to go get two guys that were not clones of me. They would compliment me and they would compliment my weaknesses. And, and that's exactly what we did. And, and they were high energy in a way that I was increasingly not at that particular stage in my life. I was not going to be able to quarterback the flag football games forever. Uh, I wasn't excited about having peanut butter in my underarms anymore. There was just a lot of things that about creativity and energy and, and even relationships. They could sit on the hood of their car at midnight connecting with students after I was in bed two hours. And, and so what I had to decide was, do I want the overall kingdom impact on these young people or do I always want to be the center of attention? Do I always want to be the guy getting all the props from the kids or am I willing to share that in order to see kids smell more like Jesus. So it was very much uh, admitting or confessing to myself that things were changing in my life, my biology, my family. I needed to make adjustments. But by doing that, I think maybe I still brought something to the table. I think I was connecting with parents there in that church in a way that a young adult probably would have difficulty. I was pouring into training and discipling adults. We created a team of about 30 adults, and I would put any one of them up against most youth ministers I know. They, they were wonderfully committed and trained people, and I'm not sure I could have done that in my 20s. Uh, I, I think there was some biblical and spiritual wisdom that I was pouring into the young people that I did not have in my 20s. So all of that was helpful and important. We just needed to complement that with the things, with the ways of being that I couldn't be at that stage in my life. Man, that's good stuff. Real good stuff. Um, in that, you know, one of the things Jody, and Jody, you're welcome to jump in here, obviously, but, um, sure. you know, Jody and I, we try often when we're having this conversation with folks on the podcast and even when we're, you know, just out and about, we, we've started to realize there's really two types, at least that we think about a lot, two types of longevity. Uh, you know, there's, there's current church longevity, which I think what you're talking about just then with the, with the help, uh, obviously that supports that, but there's also career longevity. Um, Wonder if we could maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive into specifically. Uh, I listened, um, and one of the reasons why we asked asked you on was number one, you're you're awesome, and you've been doing this a long time, which is awesome. But two, uh, at the recent conclave, you you did a breakout called the Maturing Youth Pastor, and so I listened to that. I've listened to that twice now, and uh, there were some things that you talked about that I feel like fall into those categories of you know, current church longevity, which is, you know, for us, what we mean by that is the idea that, man, I really want to stay at my church for a long time. Uh, not just, sure, I like that idea in youth ministry for a long time, but I'd like to experience longevity at my current church. Uh, but then uh, also, of course, career longevity, where maybe I could do youth ministry in my 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, a few things that stood out to me, I um, wonder if you could maybe touch on a little bit. Um, one question would be, let me let me do it this way. Um, what are some things uh, that both encourage and hinder that you've experienced with, with some of your students and other guys you've talked to? Uh, what are some things that both encourage and hinder longevity in like a current church situation? Not so much long term, although we could talk about that. But when you see, you know, when we hear these stats of guys leaving every couple of years or girls leaving every couple of years, what are what are some things that that come to your mind as the cause of that? 
uh, I think there are several things that loom large. Um, one of the things that I think is a really big factor is uh, I think a lot of staff leaders slowly, slowly multiply the number of people that are critics or, or have stress with them or create uncomfortable situations for them. Uh, and I, I think a lot of uh, guys that contact me, you know, they use very, you know, spiritual language and whatnot about, I just feel like God is closing a door here. But, but I think if you really punch down to figure out, okay, why do you sit at your desk and you're not enjoying what you do? I think in many cases it, it, there's just this slowly growing course of people that don't think you're that great a guy and, and just would be pleased to see you leave. So I think a major factor in being able to stay is um, not, not building up a lot of people that have stress about you. I, I, on the front end, on the proactive side, I think you, you slowly learn in life how not to do those things that push people away. You learn to do those things that don't offend people, that don't create conflict. And every one of us has blind spots. Every one of us have blind spots in our in our personality. So part of what you do is you, you find somebody that loves you and respects you enough that they will give you honest feedback and you just quietly ask them sometimes, what do you see me doing that is setting people off? What am I doing that's hurting feelings? What am I doing that's causing people to have stress about me? And you, you try to get some honest feedback from somebody that will love you enough to tell you. Also, you, you clean up your own messes. You, you create a, a, an approach to church leadership where when you discover somebody is stressed about you, you don't walk away from that issue. You don't navigate around that issue. You don't avoid the sidewalks they're going to be on at church. What you do is you move toward that person. You intentionally move toward them. And, and of course, you do exactly what the Bible says to do. You go sit on their couch. That's not fun. That's not pleasant. But that's what you do. And you do your best to listen carefully without being defensive to what the problem is. And to, to the extent that you are able... If you have offended, you seek forgiveness. You humbly seek forgiveness. If you think the thing has been blown out of proportion, forget it. If you think they're not seeing the whole story, forget it. You still seek to rectify the situation by apologizing, doing all that you can to make the matter right. Some of the least pleasant days I've spent in 48 years of youth ministry have been dealing with somebody that was mad at me or unhappy with me. That's, it's just not fun. But in the days that follow you taking the initiative to go, you see reconciliation, you see healing, you see the patching of things. And, and, and what, what happens is you you find I've been in this church X number of years. And by the grace of God, I can sit here today and say, I just can't think of a whole lot of people that are unhappy with me. I think that's a big part of, I get out of bed in the morning, excited about the day. I get out of bed in the morning, looking forward to going down to the church. I think that's mostly, and I don't have to face a lot of people that are unhappy with me. Uh, staff would be that times a hundred. Uh, so, you know, when there's, when there's stress with a staff member, you, once again, you take the initiative, you go to that person, you do everything you can to rectify and to make that right from a biblical point of view. Uh, another issue that I think is a major factor in not staying in a church very long is uh, 
adopting, falling into a style of youth ministry where everything really is all about you. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about pride and ego. I'm talking about a way of doing youth ministry where I have to be the guy that walks out of the office with all the creativity, with all the great ideas, everybody oohs and ahs over my ideas, and then we go do my ideas, and then everybody tells me that I'm wonderful because it was great. You can do that for a few months. You can't do that for decades. It, it, you just can't. The, the people that can stay basically yeah. on the front end of planning, they, they finally figure out, I need to bring around me wise, sharp people, probably core parents of teenagers, probably core volunteers with teenagers and teenagers themselves that love Jesus a lot. I bring those people around me. I prime the pump. We do scripture. And then I try to pull out of their little heads and hearts what God is saying to them. And and I, I can see myself so easily right now standing in front of a whiteboard with really clear thinking people and watching just watching this plan emerge, but but the plan is coming out of lots of heads. Number one, every single time I'm with a group that does that, what we create is better than what I would have created by myself. And secondarily, whatever we create, that group leaves that room with faces set like flint to make that happen. Uh, They are so committed to it, they can't stand it. It's not just me, uh, poor little Richard, sitting here trying to beat the troops into submission. There's a whole group of people that really have seen a vision and want to move in that direction. Then when it's time to actually make stuff happen, uh, I did create in Nashville this thing called lead teams. and, And now hundreds and hundreds of churches use lead teams, which basically means Once again, you have core parents, core volunteers, core teenagers who form a team. They take ultimate responsibility for a a, a major event, and they do it. They see it through. The student minister is simply helping that team succeed with their event. So on the front end, you've got a broader, to use a biblical term, you've got a broader group of counselors who who are creating a vision for ministry. And then on the other end, you've got the saints coming together to make these pieces of ministry happen. My friend, you can do that for decades. And I have had, I'm not exaggerating, I've had so many uh, seasoned youth ministers come up to me at conferences to say, hey, Richard, if I could just thank you for one thing, it would be that that whole lead team thing. I was ready to leave youth ministry and not because I didn't love the kids. I was just tired of the pace. My wife was mad at me for how long I was at church. I really thought I had to be at the center of everything. And I was going to bail for no other reason than just those human factors. But I started organizing teams. We started doing ministry where I didn't have to be at the center of everything. And you know what? I've got my second wind and we can do this now for years more. I think all of those are pretty important factors in being able to stay a long time. How do we we help, Dr. Ross? So, So one of the things... Serving where I serve in the years that I've served here, I get and and because of a little bit of platform that I have in terms of having spoken at some places in the book and all that, I've started getting phone calls from pastors looking for a youth pastor. You know, so I get those phone calls and I'm sure you guys get a ton of those, you know, at Southwestern for sure. But so often when I hear the pastor explain what they're looking for, 
they're not looking for anything what you just described. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're they're looking for the opposite. Unfortunately, you know, they're looking for that rock star. They're looking for that person that can come in. And often I have, you know, and and I have no dog in the hunt. So often I'll try to do a little bit of educating there, you know, because typically the guys that I surround myself with that I'm networking with, or that I would recommend to go somewhere, they're not those Pied Piper type youth pastors, but rather they're the, they're the builders. Um, what can we say to pastors to help them to learn, uh, the importance or, or, and I should say, what if a, what if a youth pastor is listening and they, they're willing to buy into, to what we're talking about, but yet there's a little bit of a mindset at the church that they're serving that, well, we hired you to do that. Okay. Those are two very different questions. Let's take the first one first. Um, Gosh, you're still teaching me. I feel like I'm in class again. Jody, this is like class with him, man. I'm telling you, it's just like I didn't even realize I asked two questions. questions. Okay, good. I'm sorry. (laughs) First question, how do we get the ear of pastors? Uh, You know, I've written a lot of books for youth pastors, and, and they've all been rewarding to me. But maybe the most mentally stimulating thing I've done in a long time is write the book, the senior pastor and the reformation of youth ministry. Now it's a fact that boatloads of youth pastors have read that book because they wanted to see what I was saying to the senior pastor, but I really did deep down in my heart, write it for the senior pastor. And, and it encapsulates the exact conversation that we're having in this podcast. I am trying to help that pastor see a brand new and far more biblically sound way of doing youth ministry than the impression they probably have and the one that you just described beautifully. Um, It is amazing to me, uh, you you know, they say a definition of insanity is to continue continue doing what you've been doing and hoping for a different result. They have been calling Pied Pipers over and over, rock stars, kid magnets. It never has worked out. They always end up having trouble. The wheels always fall off. And then they call me and say, oh, yeah, could we have the 17th one of those that I've been calling? It just finally made sense to me to say, you know, if you're really motivated and you would spend a couple of hours reading a book, maybe we could change your mind about how 18-year-olds leave a youth group with faces set like flint to go make a difference for the kingdom of God for the rest of their lives in part through what we've done with them the last six or seven years. So, I, you know, I hope, I hope reading is going to be part of that with some senior pastors, and, a, and a, actually a fair number of pastors have read the book and have been impressed by it. But I think we can take some of the themes from the book and say those things to pastors. One thing they can do is just look at the research. You try to find one shred of research in anybody's library that says a rock star is going to stay in a church long enough to see significant long-term lifetime youth ministry among a significant percentage of the young people, you just can't find it. So part of figuring out who, who to call is to figure out what do we want the end product to look like and what a style, what approach to youth ministry seems to be most related to that. Um, I just I feel pretty strongly about this, and and it could be that if you if you have an entree with the pastor, you you just speak pretty directly, and you just say, Pastor, I respect you so much, but what you have just described to me that you're looking for uh, may show a, a a brief little blip in attendance and excitement. It's not going to last, and it's certainly not going to create lifetime disciples. 
So, so the other question, what do you say to the youth minister who is in a church, feels like there's a, a different and better way of seeing ministry than his supervisors? Uh, one answer I would give is the book, The Senior Pastor and the Reformation of Youth Ministry. I know lots of youth ministers that have respectfully asked their pastor if he and they could read a chapter a week and then just get together maybe over a meal and just talk about that chapter. That would not be a bad plan. Uh, another plan would be forget the book, but still have those same conversations to say, Pastor, I'm out and about. I go to conferences. I'm listening to people. And it just seems like there is a way of doing ministry that's emerging that, that seems to have potential to, to mature and deepen a lot of young people. Could I share with you some of the things that I'm learning and discovering? And, and then later, could we take some very small steps, some very gentle steps in some directions to just see how it turns out? I don't want to do anything radical. I don't want to turn the church upside down. But, but would you give me enough latitude to take some careful steps? And then you and I will evaluate. We'll just decide, is this really working out? It's kind of Daniel. It's, you know, come back and look at me in a few weeks and let's see if this suggestion that I'm making has really worked out. That's so good. Gosh. Jody, you're just sitting back I'm and just, just looking this up, aren't you? I'm just listening. So how, when you say you were able to, you were able to kind of lead the church to bring on some help for you in Nashville, uh, the, the middle school and the high school guy who were younger, uh, what would you say, like if you've, if there's a youth pastor listening who's feeling himself getting older, recognizing I'm not, I, I can't be the one to do this anymore, how would you suggest them going about having that conversation with the pastor or whoever uh, to ask for that help to come in without feeling like they're saying, I'm not the one to, I can't do this job anymore? Anytime you're talking to somebody in authority, the the key is to try to think like that person thinks. Every time you talk to anybody about anything, the most important thing is trying to understand and think how that person thinks, how they see the world, how they see reality, because you're obviously shaping every remark you make to that person's mindset. So with the senior pastor, you start positively. You say, Pastor, by the grace of God, I can feel myself uh, maturing and excelling in some pieces of youth ministry. I, I'm, I just want to bring you up to date. Uh, the other night I had a seminar with our parents. Uh, I didn't used to do that very much. Now that's becoming a very important part of my ministry. And by the way, I really can tell that I'm connecting. You know, I've got a child that's whatever, 12. And oh my goodness, I think the parents are now beginning to see me as a, f a fellow traveler. I think they're beginning to see me as somebody <laughs> that's walking beside them. Pastor, I, I really think we've got some great days ahead in parent ministry. And, and Pastor, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, I was with our volunteers. More and more, I'm seeing myself as seminary for the volunteers. You know, they're not going to go to Bible school. You know, so more and more, I'm seeing myself as the person that teaches them how to handle God's word. Really, some of the principles of hermeneutics. I'm teaching them how to literally teach. How do you teach creatively in a way that makes a difference in a teenager's life? All kinds of things. I feel like now I'm able to pour into them so that they're not just grunt workers. They really are valued partners in our ministry. And, and Pastor, when I, when I gather people to... Uh, you know, for planning, I, I feel like now I'm so much more skilled in bringing people together, catching their thinking, pulling stuff out of their hearts and constructing youth ministry out of that. 
Pastor, in, in addition to all of these things that I can tell are growing and developing within me, I also have a concern, though, that we not lose some of those pieces of youth ministry that, that are important that in some ways are related to, you know, just being close to them in age. So, so Pastor, I've, I've got an idea. While I'm growing, while I'm maturing, while I'm moving into some of these new arenas that I've not been strong in in the past, I feel like we can complement that by bringing into our process some younger adults the teenagers easily can identify with, younger adults who really understand minute by minute the shifting culture that the teenagers swim in, uh, young adults that just biologically do really well, high energy, late night hours, all of those things that's just part of being a young adult. So, Pastor, what I think I'm suggesting is an associate that would work with me And I would steer the ship, I would give direction, I would pour into the significant adults in any teenager's life while that person is being very relational, being out in the schools more than I'm able to be, uh, staying up with kids that that need to talk. Pastor, what I feel like is, even financially, by, by creating support for a couple of positions, I think we can do far more youth ministry and more effective youth ministry than we've ever done in the past. So I think you start from your positions of strength and then you show the pastor how whatever whatever we might be losing over my not being young, I want to show you how someone could come alongside and complement that. And if I could just throw this in, I don't want anybody to be depressed thinking, well, I'm in a church that couldn't possibly uh, pay someone, even if they wanted to. Uh, you, you, it would also be helpful for some folk in middle-sized churches, maybe even smaller churches, to just think creatively. Do you have a Baptist or a Christian college in the area? Could you go to a professor and say, do you have some kind of field education or supervised internship program? Boy, have I got a deal for you. I would be so glad <laughs> to supervise someone out of your program, help them get course credit, fill out all of your forms, and they can help us by relating to young people that they're very close to in age. What you might discover is because of the whole course credit thing, a student might not even be expecting a big salary, maybe no salary, at the very least uh, a minimal stipend. And so all of a sudden your kids are are getting great frontline ministry, but it, it didn't take a big financial investment for that to happen. Or you might say, we've grown a couple of college students or young adults right here in the church and they're kind of in the community. Why don't I take them under my wing, pour into them in a dramatic way, get them on a reading program, mentor them every week and see them turn into people that really have some staff level ability, even though they're just one of us and they're going to continue working down at the lube shop, even while they're helping me at the church. So I, I, I don't think the door is closed just because you don't have a big budget. That's good. That's so good. Good stuff. So let's let's transition a tad, and we can always come back to like we can always come back to church longevity. But let's let's uh, start to move the ship just a little bit. Let's say uh, that there's a youth pastor listening, somebody who is maybe in their twenties, in their early years, maybe maybe early thirties. in the early years of youth ministry, and they're starting to sense that God may be calling them not just to do long uh, youth ministry for for the current period in their in their life, this current time in their life, but they are 
they're starting to sense, man, it, it would be awesome to get to do this for as long as God would allow me to do it. And maybe into my 40s, into my 50s, into my 60s, that I would be involved in youth ministry in some capacity, uh, really for the rest of my life. So keeping that in mind, just thinking about, you know, so that obviously that's a big heartbeat for Jody and I as we think about youth ministry for the long haul. Uh, and I wrote, you know, wrote book on it because, I mean, it's a passion of mine as well. And um, keeping keeping that in mind, um what are some things, and, and, and you talked about a lot of these in your maturing uh, youth pastor breakout, but there's some other things as well. What are some things that come to mind that would really almost the question that I asked earlier, which is um, that would both encourage or maybe hinder longevity, uh, long-term, career longevity? What are some things that come to mind for you on that? Well, I guess part of how I would add, <laughs> How many questions did I ask that time, by the way? Be minus on that question. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Doggone it. Uh, part of the way I would answer that question would be to give the positive flip side to some comments I made earlier. And that would be to say, if I'm in my 20s and I want to stay in churches a long time, one thing you just get really, really wise about is how to deal with difficult people and how do you deal with conflict. And you do reading on that. And occasionally you take your conference money and you go to a conference specifically on that issue. We almost never have youth ministers that get fired because of bad theology. I mean, it occasionally happens, but it's pretty rare. Youth ministers get fired. Youth ministers leave churches. Youth ministers quit and go work at the sporting goods store, mostly over people issues. So I would be a major advocate of a very young adult saying, I'm going to become wise. I'm going to pour over scripture. I'm going to go to classes and I'm going to figure out how I relate well to people and not make people mad and forgive people that hurt me. And if I figure all that out, I think I'll be able to stay in churches much more, uh, much longer. Uh, another- and that requires, that requires a ton of, a ton of humility, what it you're saying, it. Dr. Ross. And, and one of the, one of the things you said in the maturing, in, in that breakout, and, and I actually wrote it down was you said that those that are humble, stay put, but those right. that are prima donnas do not, um, is one of the things you said. And, and what you're saying requires upfront, and I've often said it like this: it's 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 a it's a willingness to acknowledge that you have the potential to really. And I'm not saying you particular, Doctor Ross, because I would feel weird saying that to you. But me, I have the potential uh, to make some really boneheaded decisions, and or really have the potential to not necessarily make great decisions when it comes to getting along with people. And I need to surround myself with people that can help yep. me with that. Uh, and, and the only thing I would add to that is you, you just need to have enough humility to be curious about yourself. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, the, the, the most well-adjusted adults anywhere are adults that remain curious about themselves for a lifetime. I'm not talking about navel gazing and I'm not talking about getting weird because you're always introspective, <laughs> but, but every one of us needs to have an honest dose of curiosity to know how did my early life affect me today? Is this deacon driving me insane because deep down in part of my psyche, 
when he tells me I need to do this or that, it just sounds a lot like my dad that would tell me to do this or that. And in the way that I emotionally reacted against him, now I'm just emotionally reacting against people in the church. I'm just making an obvious example, but it's just being curious. Why? I have people call me and they'll say, Richard, you can't believe how unlucky I am. Can you believe I just got fired by the third church? Can you imagine that I'm so unlucky that three churches in a row have fired me? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you may be a really unlucky person and you went to three toxic churches in a row. More likely, you are doing things that hurt and offend people and create conflict and you don't even know it. And when I help you go to church Mm. number four, it's going to be sweet for a couple of months, and then the exact same thing's going to happen. So, so the issue is you you get curious and interested in yourself, and when you discover there's a rock in my shoe and it's bloodying the bottom of my foot, you sit down on the curb and you shake the rock out, and and you go through whatever process is necessary for you to get biblical insight and healing, and then you go serve churches for decades and decades, and life goes forward. Man, that's good. I was at a uh, breakfast, a Youth Pastor Network breakfast, several years ago uh, here in the area, uh, and uh, and you came that morning. And I remember, and I wrote this down, I still have this. Actually, uh, this one statement that you made was a huge kind of um, encouragement when we – to start all of this and encourage uh, youth pastors to stay put, but – I remember you saying that you, you talk to youth pastors all the time who say they have 10 years of uh, experience, but it's really just two and a half over and over and over and over again. Um, man, and I see that so much. And I think that that is very telling to what you're talking about, where we, we can go in and we can pull it off for a little while, but at a certain point we get to the end of ourselves. We have to kind of look in the mirror and start addressing some things or we're never going to be effective and be able to stay put or in youth ministry long-term. Could not possibly agree more with what you're saying. So good. What about, um, what about education? Dr. Ross, how important, I mean, I know we're talking, um, youth ministry here, but some people, you know, like I, so I finished up my degree, So like hypothetically, like if there were a guy that has been to college, but has not yet been to seminary, just hypothetically, but he has a podcast and he's doing all this awesome stuff and he wanted to get involved. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, so I finished my degree. I I was able to finish it up online. It was a long journey to get there. Grateful to get to the end. And for the record, Chris, my plan is to continue in that. Uh, How, I I mean, how important and I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask anyway so you can say it. How important is education, uh, continuing education even, for somebody in a youth ministry position? This is what I would like to say about education. Um, not everybody can move to a seminary, obviously, but there's an option today that I think is pretty exciting. A lot of people that took online classes had pretty negative experiences about that. Maybe they were just keyboarding in a discussion board or asking, you know, reading and taking tests. Uh, 
every class that I teach now in student ministry, I have more people watching that class live, participating, asking questions, reacting to other students than I have actually sitting in the classroom. Now, I've got students in class every single day, but now more and more people, actually people in other countries at times, that are very much tied to what we're doing. They're, they're feeling the inspiration of the class. They're listening to their peers answer questions. They themselves are speaking to the class. I just think I just think it's an exciting way to to get sharper in youth ministry, to to take two issues that have rippled through this entire podcast, for for a, a student minister to say I am feeling increasingly confident to stand before volunteers, maybe people older than me at times, but I am seminary for those people. I am showing them how to handle God's word. I am showing them how to teach effectively. I am showing them how to relate to teenagers in crisis. I, I'm teaching them all of these things because I myself am competent with all of those things. You walk across the hall and there's a room full of parents and you say, I feel the same confidence. I may not have a teenager yet. I may be decades younger than a parent of a teenager, but I feel competent to understand what's going on in the home, how to parent well, how to spiritually lead at the house, all those things that are fundamental to creating lifetime disciples. Education may very well be that thing that opens the door to a student minister saying, no, I don't quarterback flag football, but I am growing in some crucial areas of youth ministry, and I'm growing into those areas because I've I've taken some of my very valuable time to become as well-trained as I can possibly be. Yeah, and it's so important. Um, And and one of the things, Dr. Ross, that I often say to folks sitting in, you know, breakouts and such is, you know, know, it, man, when you're in your 20s, you know, it it may not matter so much, you know, in, in a sense, but if you want to keep doing this long term, there is going to come a moment when you're in your 30s or 40s where you, you would love maybe for another door to open up somewhere. And so many churches require you to have that continuing education in order for them to even consider having you. Um, and so it's just it's just part of the deal. And and I and I'll be fully transparent. It took me nine years to get my my MDiv. Uh, but, but it's, it's one of those that, man, finally, after I kept at it, I kept at it. I've got kids in the process, you know, and all that, but, but it continues to keep those doors open at this point and it's out of the way. And that's not a roadblock for me anymore. So it's super, super important. Um, that said, Dr. Ross, we want to honor your time and you've given us a lot of time. I want to make sure that we do, um, that we, where can people find you if they want to go online and, uh, when it comes to some of your books, when it comes to uh, your website, or maybe they have a desire to have somebody come out and speak, um, where would they track you down? My website is richardaross.com. If you go to richardross.com, there's this fruity guy in California who will confuse you to death. So be sure and go to richardaross.com. All of our resources are there. My speaking calendar is there. Most any way you would want to connect links to Twitter and Facebook where I post every morning. That would just be a great way to stay in contact with people. And if school, uh, obviously lots of great schools out there. We happen to be talking kind of in Baptist world right now. We have people that are not Baptist listening. But um, but if Southwestern were something that someone was interested in, they could connect with you uh, on that as well. And you could point them in the right direction. That's exactly right. And there are links to the school on the same website that I just gave you. 
That's good stuff. Dr. Ross, just on a personal note, uh, gosh, it's been now maybe 14 years ago. Um, I had you at my church there in, in Garland, Texas. And um, I just want to say thank you for the voice that you continue to have and the voice that you had in my life. Um, there was a moment there where you blessed me. Um, we were in front of, I had you in for a parenting weekend, but I also took advantage of you being there and had you do some training with our youth workers. And you in that meeting, uh, it took time to just really affirm me in front of my youth, my youth workers. And, uh, but it was also a moment, uh, there had been some teenagers walk up to me. Uh, you and I were there. You had gotten there. We were in the sanctuary. Some teenagers walked up and, and I, I, I asked you to hold on one second and I talked to the teenagers and, uh, and, and at the time it was just a crucial time for me as far as figuring out this, how long do I want to do this? And you really just affirmed my heart in that moment of saying, man, a guy that will tell the guest speaker guy to hold on and will focus on teenagers instead, uh, has a call to youth ministry. And you said that to all my youth workers, but really what I heard that day, it was a real reminder to me that, man, I've really, God really has called me to this. And so I appreciate big time your your willingness to pour into that and wondered if maybe um maybe if there's if you had what, what you do i mean a lot of a lot of youth workers are listening right now a lot of youth pastors are listening if you wanted to end this conversation with just a blessing of some type to youth pastors what would you say to youth pastors that are listening if you are conscious and you have clear thinking uh, in the minutes before you die, not not all of us will, but but if you're if you're aware of the fact that you're dying, there is no possible way that your thinking will not turn toward. Did my life matter? What was I down here taking up space and using up resources, or did my life actually matter? I don't think you can approach death without asking that question. Uh, I think those that spend some or even all of their life in ministry with teenagers and the adults that are important to teenagers, I think those folk are going to have no problem with that question. To, to touch a young generation, to touch those that are so full of potential and are so full of the possibility of chaos and destruction, to, to literally be involved in their lives on a daily basis it just matters. It, it shapes the future of the world. Every, every civilization ha has changed and shifted in either positive or negative ways, ways depending on the, the generation coming up. So I, I just would say there's no better, there is no better way to invest one's life than that. It, 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 it is doing that which does make a difference. And of course, there's hard days and the salaries will never be equitable with everybody else's. And we just understand all of that. There are sacrifices involved, but we are down here for the glory of King Jesus. That is what we're doing on the planet. And I just can't think of any more exciting or fulfilling way to glorify him than to be involved with young people. That's so good. Dr. Ross, thank you so much for giving your time today and being on. We cannot uh, thank you enough and uh, helpful, I know, for those listening. Well, there you have it. Great interview. I mean, man, 
that's like that that was that was a lot. Oh, it was good. So good. So good, good stuff. So good. Uh man. Uh and even the stuff, unfortunately, we, we talked even before and after the recording and it was it was good. Gosh, it was good. At one point I remember thinking I should have started the recording before we started the interview because it was we we were I mean, we were learning before we started actually learning today. Yeah, so. totally. And I mean I'm telling you, like Jody, no joke. Um he's the real deal. I mean, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and and really genuinely loves youth ministry. First of all, he loves teenagers, but he loves investing in youth pastors. And um, he, he's also one of these guys, and, and you and I both value this, but he's speaking in the youth ministry, but he's also still doing youth ministry. Yeah. Which is and huge. I think that comes across. Yeah. I, and that's really, and that's what, that's what sets it apart, you know. So good. So good. So good. So good. So, so uh, make sure you head over to the show notes page at thelongerhall.com slash episode zero five eight to uh, check out all of the links and resources there. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get all this goodness each and every week and head over and check out our sponsor, 52threads and fundthenations.com. And make sure you tell them we sent you. That was good. Let's, hey, let's do this again next week. I'm in. I'm still in. Yeah. Episode 59 right, next it. week. It'll be good. Cool. All right. Later. Later, bro. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com. 